Oh, boy. Okay. It is Wednesday. It's good to have you here. All of a sudden, it is in the mid-70s, mid to upper 70s. Probably broke 80 at some point today, but the humidity has gone. There's a little bit of a breeze. It is at least 20 degrees cooler. It feels like heaven. Feels like heaven. Fall is in the air. (laughs) So how you doing? How are you doing? It is the 27th day of July, 2022, a Wednesday evening. And here I am. There you are. It's quite frankly the pre-show. And we have Jim Lee coming back on tonight. I want to talk to him about heat waves and space bubbles and how geoengineering, according to the World Economic Forum and all their friends, geoengineering may be our last hope. Our last hope. Geoengineering space, that is. I don't know how you... That just sounds oxymoronic. But um, we're going to geoengineer space. Because they say in the article, we're going to go back to the article that we just touched on briefly last Thursday when Rob was in, but I wanted to save that for our night with Jim, and tonight is that night. So many other things. I have many topics all over the place. I don't think we're going to get around to them all, but I'm going to try my damnedest. So here we are right now, quite frankly, that's the name of the show, and it is brought to you by BlueMonsterPrep.com. Ladies and gentlemen, that is a blank screen. Go to BlueMonsterPrep.com. It is an internet superstore for everything you may need. Look at this. Communication, emergency food, emergency water, EMP protection. That is uh, especially good if you are living anywhere near New York City right now. Because they're talking about... now. First, they were talking about what to do if there is a nuclear attack. And now they're letting everybody know that you should have a go bag ready. With, you know, some, some granola bars and a bottle, a solitary bottle of water. That's preparedness. No, it's not. First aid kits, flood, lighting, PPE, public address bleeding, uh, access bleeding control. So there's all different variants of the, um, of the first aid here. Real specialty stuff. So you are going to become a field medic if Pat and Gina at Blue Monster Prep has anything to say about it or do about it. So go there, bluemonsterprep.com. Use promo code FRANKLY for your shipping to be taken off the top. And if you have any questions whatsoever, you got to get in touch with Pat and Gina. They love you all because they are of you. They are members of the audience. And uh, it's always prepping season. Do what you can when you can. I am a nibble, little bit at a time kind kind of a guy, and that's what I have been doing. So... Let's pray it's enough. Let's pray we never have to use it. That's the whole point of insurance. Okay. Tomorrow night, we are going to be doing a little bit of a... I want to do the animal rescue thread. You can still go on to the forum on on the subreddit. You can get to there through, quite frankly, TV on the forum section. I have sticky posted it to the top of the feed. Have you ever been saved? Has your life ever been saved directly or indirectly? by an animal, a non-human, okay? Uh, not, I'm not asking for angel stories or anything like that. You can say, well, an angel was working through this dog. Fine, but I want to talk about a, uh, an animal that actually saved you 
from a very uh, a life-threatening situation. Did a bear drag you out of a something? Like, oh, a bear. You know? Did a Sasquatch. I don't care. Tell us something. Were you saved by a dolphin? And then did the, the, the dolphin sexually molest you afterwards? Leave that part out. First tell us how it brought you to shore. Okay? So we're going to do that tomorrow night with other things there too. Um, I'm also going to introduce you to our gold sponsor tomorrow night. My friend Tony is coming on and he's going to, it's very, very quickly, going to tell you exactly what he does and what is available to all of the Quite Frankly audience now. You can go find that quitefrankly.gold. It's on the affiliates page now. And then on Friday, we got Human Vibration is coming on. We're going to be talking about some ethereal, you know, uh kooky things hopefully i want to talk about the great beyond a little bit if matt is in on friday night which i hope he is but you never know he he does he has his own schedule and his own thing going on but uh if matt is in i have to confront him with more evidence there's even more damning evidence that has come in from someone out there who claims that matt is in fact a cat and this is why he has been he has been putting all this pressure on Timothy Alberino to draw attention away from himself. Well, uh, I had to show you some things. And when I told Matt that I will be presenting him evidence, he went above and beyond to try to disprove whatever it is is about to come his way by sending me a video of him acting very erratic at work. Very erratic. And we're going to, we'll have to talk about that. I don't know if I'll be able to play the video. You'll be able to hear the audio from the video, though. Okay, so um, so yeah, that that'll be on Friday night. We'll see. The next week we kick it all off with Roseanne Barr on the second. So that should be fun time. Uh, all right, into the grab bag, shall we? I want to get to some stuff before Jim Lee comes on. Uh, we're going to start with the President Zelensky in Ukraine, which is pretty much just one giant CIA safe house. He and his wife are really getting getting taken to task over this tone-deaf, elitist, ridiculous Vogue photo shoot that they were a part of now. So in between bumps of ketamine, he uh, Zelensky posed for, for Vogue with his wife. There they are. There they are. Uh, here she is walking around with, I guess, I guess those are girl soldiers protecting her while she walks through a war zone so it's very girl power-ish but uh, it's just gross the whole damn thing is gross one big one big pile of shit that's what it is so you might have seen it you might not have but speaking of drug addicted political puppets here is Joe Biden just a small clip if we have time later on I have a longer clip to show to you this was part of an 11 minute address he made like he's making appearances in front of cameras now ever since he took his little covid break and you're not going to see it here because it's only 17 seconds it's only 17 seconds but um but yeah i don't know he around eight minutes and 30 something seconds he started getting very weird and aggressive and his eyes got fucked up like this as you can see and he then he goes on little tirades like this 
You can't be pro-insurrection and pro-cop. You can't be pro-insurrection and pro-democracy. You can't be pro-insurrection and pro-American. Donald Trump lacked the courage to act. The brave women and men in blue all across this nation. Yeah, the brave women and men in blue over there in the Capitol that stood by, stood by and let it all happen, or were at the doors and let everybody in, waving them in, taking selfies, or were actually murdering American citizens and have since led to the, uh, the suicide of a few more Americans that have been wrongfully detained and everything else. This is, this is becoming so outrageous and we're, we're, we're building up towards something. And we were talking about the theories that were floating around as far as what these crazy obsessive molesters have up their sleeve because they are politically dead in the water. They are karmically dead in the water. They have no charisma. They are just weird, weird, repulsive creatures. Here is Gateway Pundit pretty much confirming what we were all, uh, we were all being, uh, we were all discussing a few weeks ago about what was coming up in October, what may be coming up in October. And And if not, it's still on the table. You can see it. U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland says he is open to prosecuting President Trump. So since then, several outlets have been coming out and saying in no uncertain terms that there is a criminal investigation that has been opened into Donald Trump's, I don't, I don't know, involvement with everything that they're characterizing the mosh pit on January 6th to be. So what is the October su- surprise? I don't know. They may just have to take some lumps in November they, uh, they may have their foot soldiers doing their thing in other parts of the country where they just need to be able to shore up whatever they have and all their resources and make sure they mitigate their losses and stop the bleeding. Who knows what they're going to do to uh, tamp down the fires that they have burning all around them. But as far as 2024 goes, we were talking about this with Rich Barris when we brought up uh, the... Madison Cawthorn and Marjorie Taylor Greene and people like them, they're one of their main avenues for campaigning right now is to try to find ways to legally disqualify their opposition for even running because they have no charisma, no nothing. They need to be able to have some kind of real, true, controlled opposition up there to make sure everybody are the Yale, the Yale Bonesman elections. That's what is going on here. Um, so I would have to imagine, I don't know how quickly they're going to try to do this, but um, kangaroo courts, it's a D.C. court. They want to go after Donald Trump. They want to make sure that he is out of the way for 2024. And this looks like what they're, what they're going for because the rhetoric is only getting more and more insane as the evidence continues to fail to show anything real, anything real, that happened, except once again, the, uh, the the complete failure on the Fed side of things. And the, I mean, I don't know. Here's what he said to, here's what he said to, what's his name? Lester Holt, the guy who does all the kids news now. He says, if we pursue justice with, with uh, oh, oh uh, U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland said he's open to prosecuting Trump for his role in January 6th, which was being alive. 
Merrick Garland was asked by NBC's Lester Holt if indicting a former president would tear the country apart. Now, I really do believe that a bonehead like Lester Holt actually believes this stuff. I do believe that there are some media boneheads out there who think that they are 30,000 feet above everybody and they're looking down at the mortals and how it's all playing out and they understand what the conditions in the country really are, that it may tear the country apart. There is no unity in the country. There is none whatsoever. None whatsoever. The only thing keeping people, even, I, I don't know, in the least bit sane and held together is the fact that pe- I guess everybody has found their own small, little, private, unobstructed distractions. They've gone back to old videos and old classic movies or whatever. They have gone into bubbles that have become micro-bubbles inside of bubbles. Would it tear the country apart? Merrick Garland said, look, we, we pursue justice without fear or favor. You don't do anything of the sort. You're terrorists. You're, you're projecting terrorism, but you're terrorists. Merrick Garland told NBC, we, 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 we pursue but look, we rigged an election, and all that has happened since then was January 6th, which we had to help orchestrate in order to, to uh, capitalize on it. So no, I, I don't think Americans will do anything rash, is what he should have said. Is what he said he should have said, because it's, it's true. I don't think Americans will do anything rash. I don't, know what the, I don't know what the backs against the wall moment is going to be for most people. But they'll go after Donald Trump. They will do it. And they will state their reasons why. And I don't know. Look, look. November 2020, all that resulted in was January 6th. And that was really not that bad. They had to exaggerate it to get it to this point. So what would going after Donald Trump after his presidency is over going to do? Maybe that will be the back against the wall moment. I don't know. But it's certainly not going to be anything that... That, that's the make or break moment for unity in the country. That's gone and never coming back. Never coming back. I think it was uh, Oprah Winfrey. Oprah Winfrey who once said about old racists, because of course everybody's an old racist who needs to be done away with to these people. But I think she said it was old white people need to just die out. Those generations just need to just die out. And that is where racists will end. It will end with... I don't know what generation marks off because apparently we have neo-Nazis everywhere now. So I guess all white people just need to go. Um, but that's the only real thing here too. To, to harken back to what Oprah Winfrey was saying about generations just needing to fade away and be replaced by a new crop. That's really it. As it comes, as, as it pertains to American unity, there will never be unity again unless there is something drastic that happens to the controllers, to the masters. Something very drastic has to happen to the masters. They have to be uprooted. The entire system needs to be ground down to the stump. And then you have to just let 40, 60, 80 years go by. You really do. And just let people tend to themselves and their own regions of the country and be semi-disconnected from everybody else and, uh, and not, ha- not, not be in- held together by invisible chains of, of common political causes where you believe anything that happens in Chicago is in, your, is in your backyard even if you're in Anchorage. 
So, yeah. Yeah. That's where they're going next. Now, um, <clears throat> here is from Zero Hedge, the World Economic Forum. They are now recommending gay and bisexual men limit sexual partners and anonymous sex. And anonymous sex, just re just to reduce the monkeypox spread. If we can just flatten the curve a little bit, just don't have as much anonymous rest stop bathroom sex. Here, listen to this. Here's a quote from uh, that Tedros guy, a weirdo. He says, for men who have sex with men, this includes, for the moment, reducing your number of sexual partners, reconsidering, consi uh, reconsidering, considering sex with new partners, and exchanging contact details with any new partners to enable follow-up in need if needed. So, if you can't stop, if you can't, he, Tedros also called on social media platforms to counter harmful information about the outbreak. What's the harmful information? He said stigma and discrimination can be as dangerous as any virus. No. 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 Stigma and discrimination where it actually is one or the other and not just a, I don't know, a leftist catch-all term when they're trying to manage a, a social situation that they really are invested in. Stigma and discrimination are not in, it, in and of themselves not positive things. And when it happens, it's not necessarily nice. But you know what? Discrimination is actually something where there, there, is some, there is some usefulness there. I've said it before. When you go to a, a, a Whole Foods or a farmer's market somewhere and you're examining all of the melons, you're, you're going to leave the mushy one behind. You're discriminating against the mushy one. But they're talking about something different here. They're talking about discriminating against gay people. Even though you can stand next to a gay person that has monkeypox and you won't get it, because you're not having sex with them. So what are they talking about? The stigma and discrimination can be as dangerous as any virus, which is absurd. Stigma and discrimination are not necessarily usually positive things, but a vi contracting a virus? Those can be on the same level? And they can fuel the outbreak. As we have seen with COVID-19 misinformation, no, 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 no. Suppression of COVID-19 information made people suffer. And this information can spread rapidly online, he said, without providing any examples. Because there are no examples. Because what they're pretty much saying is it's just a recommendation. It's just a recommendation that we ask, it's, we ask you to limit your number of sexual partners that you don't have three or four in a weekend. And you stay away from the glory holes and, and you don't do the anonymous bathroom sex stuff and um you know but but we won't but we don't want to prevent you from expressing yourself or anything like that because that we know that this, this is an expression of self but i i think what the the limiting of stigma and discrimination and harmful information at this point is all about is they need to tell gays they need to tell gay people to watch out at least gay people who are in that really fast Fast and hard life, the party scene, the drugs, the poppers, the anonymous sex, the orgies, all that stuff um, that aren't in long, faithful relationships. But I think what they're trying to do here is try to tell gays without the straights finding out. 
because once everybody out there, they're trying to keep everybody afraid about one virus or the other, it doesn't do any good that this is going around if it's only affecting a very specific group of people, and that group of people happens to be the, one of the, the, the banner, the banner poster children of the machine that's trying to take over the world. So, they're just, they're trying to help out the gays without everybody knowing. Um, and what do we have here? 7.15? All right, last, here's from Sputnik. Hair loss, I thought this was funny. Hair loss and sexual dysfunction are new long COVID symptoms. It just encapsulates everything. Hair loss and sexual dysfunction. The list of long COVID symptoms is growing with researchers adding two new medical conditions, hair loss and low libido, are now being seen among those with long COVID, a medical condition in which some of the infected with COVID virus continue experiencing health issues long after recovery from the virus. Now, I have written off my hair a long time ago, but ever since COVID, I gotta say, I am hornier than ever. Has anybody else out there had COVID and can barely control their hormones? Let me know. Because we'll, maybe we'll start a thread about this. Post-COVID sex explosion. You let me know. And uh, and we will start a thread on this one. These poor people. I don't know what they got. Alright, we'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. One ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! Having a good time, are we? So, welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. Jim Lee is going to be joining us in a little bit. Jim Lee, climateviewer.com. He is one of the best out there. One of the best on a number of issues, actually. And we've talked about so many things. I love going off topic with Lee as well. With with Jimlin. Oh, I have some terrible. Uh, I have some terrible local news for you. You want to hear it? It's not that terrible, actually, but it's being it's being reported on as terrible news. Our local patch reporter in my little corner of Westchester, New York, has this to say about our supply line issues over here. 
Wait a second. There you go. Here's our supply line problems that we have in Westchester right now. Supply chain issues mean no fluoride in the water for now. Fluoride being added to water at the Rye Lake pump station on July 7th. It's affecting some, uh, some customers around here. Supply chain issues are being blamed for an unexpected but temporary ch- Don't worry. It's temporary change, ladies and gentlemen, in our drinking water. On Tuesday afternoon... Viola Water New York announced that due to supply chain issues, Westchester Joint Water Works stopped adding fluoride to the water at Rye Lake Pump Pump Station Thursday, July 7th. While now here, listen, now while fluoride is added to the water supply to help fight tooth decay, it's so sad. It's so, it's so sad. There are people that are stupid enough to even report on this still like this. While fluoride is added to the water supply to help fight tooth decay, it is not an essential component of water treatment. You're right. And water will continue to be acceptable for all regular cases. Viola anticipates that Westchester or something, water or something, will resume fluoridation by July 15th or 20th. Whatever. So everybody went a week without fluoride because of that goddamn Putin so I don't know within that week if my neighbor's IQ fluctuated upwards a few points, but uh, obviously they have been put back down to where they're supposed to be. I have a Berkey. I would suggest everybody out there who hasn't taken the plunge yet, do it. Just get yourself a nice Berkey and get the extra, the, the, the white filter to go with the black filter. The white one is the, the one that takes out the fluoride. Um... So this doesn't affect me one way or another. I can't believe it. I just can't believe that this is still something that people put out there. And that is still the official line. I mean, there's nothing else for a patch reporter or anybody else to report on when it comes to fluoride in the water. The official line is that it is inserted in there to help fight tooth decay. That's how much the government, local, state, and federal, care so much about your teeth. They care, they care about, please... Please, they care so much about your teeth. Above and beyond. All right, so what else do we have? This is what I wanted to lay down the groundwork for as Jim Lee comes to join us in a little bit now. This is what we did last week when Rob was on. It's about the World Economic Forum releasing a video pushing for the use of what they call space bubbles. To block out the sun, reduce climate change, and coming on the heels of a massive worldwide heat wave, we'll just bring this up again and talk about one thing or another, shall we? The World Economic Forum's Agenda 2030 is a dystopian nightmare that's chalked, chalked full of chalk, chalk full of evil. Uh, agendas such as population control, eradicating livestock replacing it with synthetic meat, forcing the masses to consume insects, and living in pods. You'll own nothing and you'll be happy. A digital takeover of everything, of course, achieving total surveillance control and consolidating power within a multinational globalist body that supersedes all other governments. Essentially, once all institutions are raised to the ground, it will be an all-out technocratic reign of the elites. 
As if it wasn't bad enough already, now under the tired grift of climate disaster, Klaus Schwab and his band of globalist megalomaniacs are toying with the idea of turning off the sun completely, I guess. Well, not completely, but sun dimming is something we've discussed on this show in the past with Jim Lee and other guests, and that's what has been done with the, uh, the high-altitude aerosol injections. Those same injections that John Brennan was bragging about how much he loved to the CFR a few years ago before he was finally taken out of uh, government, at least temporarily. I'm sure he's, he's still working very closely with all of his old friends. In a new dystopian video that was released by the World Economic Forum this month, the organization touted the use of futuristic space bubbles that could be used to effect- effectively block out the sun and thus help reduce climate change. The quote-unquote geoengineering project would theoretically reflect a portion of solar radiation back into space in order to cool the planet. The video explains, while highlighting a recent study about the project from the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, you know, favorite, favorite place to play for people like Bill Gates and the people who killed Aaron Schwartz, space bubbles which are set to be uh, made of thin plastic material, would be manufactured in space before they deployed in the form of a raft at the L1 Langrian, Langrangian point. I don't know how to say that. A point of equilibrium where the gravitational pulls between the Earth and the sun cancel out and view of the sun is always uninterrupted. Ah, I know the, uh, I know the point of view. According to the World Economic Forum video, the device would cover an area as large as the country of Brazil. Remember we were talking about this? And it would be deployed above the atmosphere of the Earth. And sure enough, the video also claims that the gargantuan device would likely pose no risk of disrupting the planet's ecosystems because it will reside above the atmosphere, which is questionable at best. Simply blocking out a portion or all of the sun would lead to extreme changes that could be catastrophic as sunlight is essential to life. But pay no attention to that. The experts say that it is safe. Boy. It is safe. Now, here's the part, the part that I want to bring up with, with Jim when he jumps in. This is the big one here. Geoengineering might be our final and only option yet most geoengineering proposal are earthbound because i mean that's where geo comes from which is why this is ridiculous which poses tremendous risks to our living ecosystem space-based solutions would be safer i guess i guess i can see the argument to say that it's still geoengineering even if you space uh, uh, station something outside of our atmosphere in in space to create some kind of an iud between earth and the sun because whatever you do to disrupt that relationship will certainly have an impact on the geo, the Earth. For instance, if we deflect 1.8% of incident solar radiation before it hits our planet, we could fully reverse today's global warming. <laughs> it, go- it goes on. The timing of the World Economic Forum's video release came just before Joe Biden's announcement that he was focusing the powers of the executive branch on combating climate change and the green agenda. Several Biden regime officials have also come out of the late uh, out of as of late to push the same acceleration line in an attempt to drum up urgency surrounding the climate crisis. 
Now, the other thing to remember here is you've seen other things happening with Project Veritas. Veritas has been, I mean, they've been firing on all cylinders as if they're, I mean, they always are. But they've been firing on all cylinders, especially when they expose and they did a little expose on that CNN guy, the guy from CNN that was pretty much talking about the entire purpose of their network. The purpose of the network being first to, re- to remove Donald Trump, to also ride the COVID wave as long as they can, but now it just doesn't have that grip anymore. It doesn't have that bite anymore. So what are they doing? They said that they have retooled and they are refocusing on climate catastrophe. That's what they're doing right now. And you can say, well, obviously it's a news network. They're going to have to have some sort of a a plan as to where they're going to devote all of their airtime. They're going to think about ratings all the time. They have to they have to keep it up. It has a direct link to whatever people advertise on that network as if people are there watching. But there's that. But it's not just a consideration about viewership because it's so highly coordinated. And we do know so much more. If you know your history, you know that there has been no real buffer between the the press, the newspapers, the broadcast networks. There's been nothing separating that and the national security state and the intelligence operations since the 1950s. And that's in, on, a, on a on a declassified level. So within the last five to six years, we know that this is not just that they're working in tandem. They're just one in the same. So yeah, there are certainly social and I don't know, ratings considerations that are made. But other than that, this is just an an operation. And birds of a feather, man. That's just really what it is. And that's what we're seeing right now. So there is a reshuffling there. Big reshuffling there. They got everybody on board with this. And it's not just about that one thing chasing ratings. They've been suggesting climate lockdowns since summer of 2020, and they continue to push this legislation that thankfully goes nowhere. But the protests in Europe, that has been all about response to emissions requirements that have been passed down from local and union governments about what they need to do with emissions and how it's going to kill 30% or more of their their production and how they have to cull all their, their livestock and things like that. So it's... It's just interesting to see. We know that these things are cyclical in the news, but there's there's much bigger machinery behind this whole thing right now. Okay, so um, with that being said, we're going to take a really quick break. When we come back, we're going to have Jim Lee on, so don't go anywhere. Quite frankly, listen live or download it and take it with you wherever you go while you're driving, walking, working, or playing <laughs> dirty dog. For all things, go to quitefrankly.tv. You like what you see? Become a sponsor. Quite Frankly streams live weekdays at 7 p.m. Eastern wherever you get your podcast. So for everything, it's quitefrankly.tv. I mean that if people choose not to work, if they choose not to contribute to society, why should they have a voice and and why should they have a say in uh, what goes on if uh, if you're not contributing then you must be taking away 
that's a very right-wing point of view. Well, you can call it what you want, but, you know, I come from, from a background where I feel that uh, the average person, normal people, work for a living. They don't, you know, live off the government's back. They don't live off anybody's back. They have pride. They stand out on their own two feet. If a person chooses not to work, that's fine. But don't go in and, you know, collect benefits because you're too lazy to get up out of bed. I have to wake up for work at 4.30 a.m. in the morning, get my ass out of bed into the freezing cold because I have pride. And yet I pay taxes so some slob can sit in bed watching cartoons while I'm not cleaning a paw for them. That's my point. Joe called and said that there was a man here who had some wonderful horns. It sounds like Raz. That really sounds like Raz. You know what it is, Frank? What is it? I'm not telling you. It's Raz. Really? Uh-huh. Well, Frank has a computer open, he's, and he's watching the stream. He can watch it. What? It was a picture up with that sound clip. Oh, let me see. Biatch! <laughs> that was good. That has to be the that best. That was good. You you made that or something? Yeah. That's good. We are. <laughs> That's awesome. That's really good. Just hold on. Back here on a Wednesday night, and we are just about ready to get our good friend Jim on the show. I hope he's out. Jim, are, do you hear me, Jim? Is there anybody out there? I feel like everybody everybody takes five minutes to get their, their uh, microphones ready. Jim! That's one thing we didn't have with Skype. I'm trying to weigh out all the benefits of moving to Zoom. The visual aspect has been great. The stability has been great. I've gotten to use it pretty easily. But the call and response in the beginning has just been killing me. Hey, Jim! He's sitting with me. So I'm just going to twiddle my fingers for a little bit. And, uh... I, I guess I can just keep reading. So we have this we got to do with Jim whenever he, he arrives. There's also something I want to ask him, a little bit off topic. Did you hear that there was a Florida man? There was a man that drove to Space Force. There was a base in Florida. And he, he drove down there to Space Force to warn the government that U.S. aliens are fighting with Chinese dragons. U.S. aliens. What does that mean? I don't know. And there's also this story that we're probably going to do a lot more of tomorrow because I think that there are greater questions to be asked about this. But you might have heard about this Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia, there has been, I guess it's just plans. New mirrored city looks like a huge dystopian wall in the desert. It's called the line. 
And I'm going to talk about this with you guys at one point. Can you hear me? Oh, I can hear you now. What's going on, Jim? Dude, the button on this thing is stupid. The button on which? On uh, Zoom. Oh, okay. Well, anyway. <laughs> I mean, you, you think that somebody's been on a computer since they're 15 and I've administered massive networks that I could figure out that the button right there is clearly to turn the audio on, but it actually asked me that already. So anyway, I was going to say the same thing. I never thought that out of anybody that I have on this show, you would ever have any tech issues. I'm, I'm looking at this going, this cannot be this dumb. <laughs> no, it's me. <laughs> okay. Well, it's always I, the user. Well, it's great. Yeah, okay, it's always the user. That's some IT stuff to keep in mind. Well, how you doing, brother man? I'm okay. How's everything by you? Uh, dude, I actually had a migraine. Like, it's been pretty much most of the day, and I I, I took two ibuprofen and crashed out for an hour, and uh, my alarm went off like 15 minutes late. So I apologize. Are you are you uh, feeling a little bit better? Bro, I've been through worse. I've been shot. Okay, let's let's get it on. <laughs> okay, I was gonna I was gonna ask for you. Is the at least you're not? Is your uh, mayor? Is your county executive putting out PSAs about what you should do during a nuclear attack, like up here in New York? Thank God, no. I've never heard from any my mayor. Uh, we don't have a mayor. We have a city manager. And I don't think I've ever heard anything from them other than, hey, the Air Force is going to be blowing up Dillon Park for July 4th. So if you'd like to come out and see the fireworks put on by our government, that's about it. Oh, I can. You know, it's one of those things. It's weird because you and I, we've done a man. We've done so many shows on different topics, but one a few topics that always kind of overlap. There's cyber attacks. There's EMP, there's, uh, and then there is, I forget, there's a few other things. I, I, well, now nuke, which I guess we're talking about similar levels of devastation to infrastructure and, and all that stuff. But um, it's just weird. It's just so weird because you know that all that stuff is still on the, on the table. I, I, they kind of lulled us to sleep with yeah, the cyber no, I mean, Yeah, it, they were really screaming bloody murder about how uh, Putin was going to be blowing up the world. Uh, and of course, they've completely forgotten about mutually assured destruction, uh, it, dude. It, the, the the fear porn meter with these politicians—they don't know exactly where to set the needle, and I mean, they always kick it all the way to overdrive, and then they realize, wait a minute, nobody's buying our bullshit. So we maybe we need to dial it up slowly on the next thing we come up with. Well, that's why we're back to climate change. Yeah, exactly. And that's exactly why. And it's full it's full court now. It's it's not just there's always a simmering effect. There's always somebody talking about it. There's always the true believers out there pushing one thing or another. But now as I said before, you have uh, the shift is is very clear and it's the it's the entire team. Project Veritas putting CNN on blast for admitting that COVID is losing its grip and now it's we're going to refocus on climate change. It's always talking about climate lockdowns now in Congress. Thankfully, it doesn't have any traction. Uh, we got protests in Europe with all these farmers. That is linked to emissions requirements that are really just set to kill crop production or actually have major cullings with livestock. Now we have this geoengineering with the space bubbles that World Economic Forum, once a conspiracy theory, 
It once a trigger point for conspiracy theorists. Now it's being normalized by the World Economic Forum as our last resort for saving saving the planet. Um, you know what? Let me ask you this because here in this in this uh, this article here, it talks about this. This was the the quote, geoengineering may be our final and only option, yet most geoengineering proposals are earthbound, which pose tremendous risks to our ecosystem. Space-based solutions will be safer. Do you know of any geoengineering uh, projects that they've picked up that have been safe from the get-go? Uh, none. Zero. And... What's what's really ironic about that statement is it's ass backwards because if you do a geoengineering program, let's say on the ground, so most people may not have heard of this type of, you know, geoengineering, but uh, like reflectivity. So simple ideas like painting rooftops white. Okay, that would actually be considered a geoengineering project. Mm. The idea would be that the light coming in would hit the white roof and it would reflect back out to space so that they could cool down the planet by doing reflective crops, things like that. Um, then you get into the more crazy, let's uh, spray sea salt into clouds to make them whiter uh, marine cloud brightening. Then you get even crazier, and then they say, let's make artificial volcanoes to block out the sun. Let's put chemicals in the stratosphere, stratospheric aerosol injection or solar radiation management. All of these fall under solar radiation management, but specifically stratospheric aerosol injection create a layer of particles in the sky to cool down the planet monumentally stupid now what's more stupid than all of that let's block out all of the planet at the same time the sunlight by putting a vinyl slash graphene sail contact lens if you will about 1.5 million kilometers away in space at what's called the Lagrange point L1. It's a, it's a point where we're, I guess you could say equidistant in terms of gravitational pull. So the idea being that they could put this sail into space, this contact lens, this solar umbrella into space. This idea originates from MIT university, of course, um, and that that could block out a portion of the sun, which would be coming to the planet, and it would slowly cool the planet. Now, the problem with this is, and I guess these people just don't understand basics about how the planet works or anything about weather, um, our, our, the ionosphere of the planet is the space, you know, the, like the, the shield of the Star Trek Enterprise, okay? And our ionosphere is powered by the sun. So the less energy we receive on this planet, the weaker our ionosphere becomes. If you block out some sunlight in space, you're going to weaken the ionosphere. If you weaken the ionosphere, 
more galactic cosmic rays, some of which are deadly to all life on this planet, can penetrate lower into the atmosphere. If the ionosphere becomes weak enough, the ionosphere can literally come down to where it's touching the ground. In that type of scenario, I mean, you could literally burn away all, all life on the planet. I mean, it's kind of, I mean, that's just about as doomsday fear porn as you're ever going to get out of me. But if they screw this up badly enough, that could potentially happen, especially if all the predictions and my personal belief that we're headed towards a grand solar minimum, that the solar cycles are showing a repetitive decline in power over time, that how fast could they get out there and pull the umbrella off and say, you know what, we are going into a solar minimum. We're making a freaking ice age right now. Our ionosphere is collapsing. And you'll notice it first whenever suddenly all the radio signals are going just batshit. Um, and then, you know, it, it, it'll get out of hand pretty quickly. Um, not to mention all the satellites in low Earth orbit could get screwed up. Um, it would change weather patterns on a worldwide basis. We could have biblical floods like I mean, floods like the Bible would have to be rewritten and the last, you know, paragraph would be like, and they had floods like, damn. You know, Jim, you, you're, you're saying this right now and I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about the obliviousness of most people. Now, I know that there are, there are amateur astronomers that have great equipment to be able to peer far into, you know, into space. And because I, I know if I know a few of them and I've been able to, to see some amazing things through through telescopes that uh, are privately owned. And I got to say this to think about them having to go however many kilometers out into nowhere to build a blanket that is the size of Brazil. They, I don't I don't even think that this is serious. I don't even think it's serious. I mean, but at the same time, can't you imagine a bunch of freaking yuppie dorks at MIT getting a freaking hard on going, but can we do it? Let me I, at it. I know. Let me at it. I mean, you can imagine that, right? You no, know, because they probably think that they're on the set of the movie Armageddon. Like they are, they've been brought in. They got to save the planet from something huge. They probably think that they're the Bruce Willis's of... It's somewhere between Bruce Willis and Armageddon and Val Kilmer in real science. Okay. <laughs> that makes sense. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's good. I like that. I mean, so, so I mean, the only difference is nobody's going to be making a house full of popcorn, okay? Um, what you drinking? This is coffee. Um I, I'm, I never was a Yeti man till I realized I can keep my coffee warm for like five effing hours in this Yeti cup. It's freaking amazing. It's true. And uh, nothing overcomes a migraine like some good ibuprofen and uh, caffeine. Same time. Maybe it does work. Well, let me ask you this then. Because we, and I'm sure that this will, geoengineering and, and the history of it, I have some great questions from the audience that's been submitted as well too that can that can give us some some fodder here but last time you were on the last time you were on we discussed grand solar minimum 
um, how we are heading into a historic cooling trend, despite all of the projections from NASA and NOAA, and um, how it is the goal of the technocrat or the technocrats to position themselves in a way that it's possible to not only steal trillions of dollars in the name of turning down the thermometer or turning down the uh, the climate, but mm-hmm. only but also to take credit for what is going to be happening naturally. That is the cooling. Now we 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 did we talked about uh, sun dimming. We talked about where that beautiful yellow contrast against the royal blue sky has gone. We did so much. But now we have just lived through this two-week global heat wave. And in Europe and in some places in the United States, not only did we have a lot of crops destroyed and a lot of uh, yield, uh, we were already having food problems and all that, fires breaking out, people dying from a number of related causes. Many of us are thinking at this point one of two things if we have been just steeped in this for so long. Number one, we're asking, is this more technology-induced climate catastrophe, directed energy weapons, etc.? Or number two, is it natural, and will this only be conveniently reported on through the lens of New World Order doom, and the, the beat goes on? Is this natural, or do you see any kind of, any kind of play in, um, in what they've invested in the atmosphere? Now, this may be uncomfortable, because I'm not currently wearing any pants, but allow me to ride the fence. Okay. So on the one hand, we could say part of this is natural cycle. And I and I and I always try to keep, you know, grounded when I give a response to something like this because, you know, every time I think I've got it figured out, I realize I don't know shit about shit. Um, and one example of this is I was studying California's water problems, heat problems, you know, getting all of these emails from people who are talking about, um, you know, what's going down in Cali town. And I, I said, well, you know, maybe I need to see 1946 cloud seeding was invented. Let's, let's see what the correlations are there. All right. So they, it, Weather control really took off post-1946. Was there or an increase or decrease in droughts? And let me see how those correlate with solar cycles. And I, tr- I even got a chart up, and I got all of the data on droughts, wildfires in California from 1915 to present. And guess what? There was... No correlation whatsoever. So I had this big, you know, video planned on how I was going to show. Um, oh, man, I got it all figured out. See, look, solar cycle, and here's where the drought occurred. See the chart? They just line up perfectly. Nope. Um, well, weather modification, they, you know, started here, and then that's when the drought started because they're overseeding. Nope. Um, I mean, there were droughts and wildfires you know, all the way starting at early 1900s that have been consistently, you know, every 5, 10, 15 years, um, mega fires, mega droughts. Um, And then you look at the Dust Bowl. The Dust Bowl was in the 1930s. It was a man-made problem. It was caused by cutting down too many trees and over-farming. So we ended up with climate change in the 1930s 
that dwarfs anything going on today. And if anybody doesn't know about the Dust Bowl, go watch any footage, look at any photographs of basically the breadbasket of America turned into a desert. <laughs> that is a change in climate that is so dramatic that you're an idiot if you don't see that that is factual climate change. Now, heat waves, some pretty nasty floods. Um, you mentioned the one in St. Louis that just happened. I got an email from somebody in Kentucky who also had an event where a storm literally parked over Kentucky and did not move for like eight or nine hours, and it continued to you know, repower itself and just dump astronomical amounts of rain. Um, so these extreme odd weather events are happening all over the world. So now I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, move my testicles over and I'm going to, you know, sidle on the other side of the fence and let's go. But then there's China. And China has invested heavily in weather modification technology. This is one of their new things. And I really started to notice this uh, around 2017, I believe it was. Um, they started uh, basically, you know, investing in this technology heavily and talking about expanding their plans to put thousands of cloud seeding generators all over the Himalayas. Um, because that's basically the same situation we have with the west coast of america in the west coast of america all along the rocky mountains the colorado river basin all in california all every mountain range they have cloud seeding generators they do what's called orographic cloud seeding and the idea is orographic cloud seeding is you put a cloud seeding generator at the base of a mountain and as the wind comes up over the mountain, it carries the, the sprinkles of silver iodide up into the clouds that are right on the peak and makes artificial snow. So the, the, the TR on my, <laughs> on, my show, on my shirt is Team Robinson Mixed Martial Arts, okay? Team Robinson Mixed Martial Arts. I'm watching chat. They're all wondering, what, is it, what does that mean? Um, it's don't not be, symbology, don't, guys. Don't it's, be distracted. I, don't be distracted by them. They're so distracted. No, no, I, love, I love chat. I love being distracted. Um, but orographic cloud seeding, artificial, it, it's called snowpack augmentation. So augmenting, adding to the snowpack, the snow on the mountains, artificially with ground-based cloud seeding generators. Now, cloud seeding was invented in 1946. Irving P. Crick invented the ground-based cloud seeding generator in 1949. The U.S. Bureau of Interior and the Bureau of Reclamation, which handles all the water issues in the West, um, had a thing called Project Skywater that ran from the 1967 like, through like 88 where they expanded all of uh, these cloud seeding generators basically all over the, the west coast of America. Now China wants to do the same. They want to put 
thousands started out, they said, three times the size of Spain. Now it's two-thirds the size of India is the area that they want to cover in the Himalayas with cloud seeding generators because the Himalayas basically have so many tributaries like the Colorado River. Um, you know, like in, in their case, the, the Brahmaputra and so many other Ganges and all these, they basically, that produces all the water for India, for Vietnam, much of which goes to China. China's damming that stuff up so that they're cutting off people in, in you know, Vietnam and India. There's water wars literally going on over in China. Now, I say all this to make the, this point. I had a conversation with my personal hero, Dr. James Roger Fleming, or Jim Fleming. And he is the preeminent historian on weather modification. And I had mapped out all the cloud seeding generators in America. And I said to him, we had a conversation at the American Meteorological Society's 21st conference on planned and inadvertent weather modification. I interviewed him. And um, this was in 2018. And I, I said to him, we were talking about the butterfly effect. I said, what about if... If weather modification was done on a large enough scale, could it be considered geoengineering? And he said, well, that would be more like a Mothra effect. You know, Mothra from Godzilla. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he said, yes. Um, yes, that's exactly, that could be definitely considered geoengineering. The point of all this is that because China keeps exponentially increasing the size and scope of the weather modification that they intend to do on the Himalayan mountains and their, their necessity for cutting off everybody else from the ability to gather that water and their water diversion projects that they're currently doing to make sure the majority of that artificial rain that they're going to create ends up in China and is routed somehow to the northern parts of China where they need it most, when you're doing weather modification on that largest scale, and it could be considered geoengineering, then we're going to talk, uh, we're going to see disruptions downwind. And guess what's downwind? The Pacific Ocean and then the west coast of America. So... There's only a finite amount of water in the sky at any given time. If you put too many seeds in that sky, then not enough water can stick to those cloud seeds to form rain and fall. Hmm. And that may be part of what we're seeing right now is that you've got all of Europe cloud seeding. You've got Saudi Arabia is now cloud seeding. Um, and they're using that oil money because they live in a freaking desert and they want to be able to, you know, have more places that they can grow crops. Everybody is fighting over water. Um, I, I came across a guy, you know, 2008, David Kaczynski, who's 
retired Lieutenant Colonel David Kaczynski from the U.S. Air Force, who said, water will be to the next century what oil was to the last. And we're already in that water war now. So if you have a scenario where China is taking all of that money that they've gobbled up in intellectual property that they've gobbled up from the world and they're using that now and turning it on the forces of mother nature to gather as much water for themselves as possible damn the repercussions for anybody else we may be seeing a result of that right now and the reason i say this is because like i said earlier we've been doing ground-based cloud seeding generating in all of the mountains on the west coast of America since 1949. It has grown exponentially. Nobody in America has ever heard of this. Okay, and I know this because I talk to everybody I meet and I'm like, you, do you even know what cloud seeding is? They don't know. If they do, they say, oh yeah, they burn flares on these planes. They're like, have you ever heard of a ground-based cloud seeding generator? No. So nobody, nobody knows about this, even though it's been going on forever. Now that China is doing it, do you think any meteorologist, any, are there any journalists left? I mean, aside from um, Project Veritas, it, you know, Nobody's going to know about this, and they certainly don't have the technology to be able to tell what's natural weather, what's artificial weather, because at this point, Iran is now getting in on the on the mix. They've just invented their own cloud seeding radar and are turning on their programs because they've been saying for decades that Europe and other countries are stealing their rain, stealing their clouds. Everybody upstream from us is weather is modifying the weather. And as a result, you get to this point where everybody it's, it's like too many hands in the cookie jar. If everybody's screwing with the weather to squeeze every drop of rain out of it possible, you're going to end up with a situation where on some weeks, months, everybody's getting floods and then suddenly there's climate rebound where you know we had all of these clouds but now there's literally not a drop left of water in the sky mm -hmm. and you get the droughts and you get the massive heat waves and then of course that boils off more you know ocean water you have more evaporation that evaporation turns into clouds the clouds turn into rain and the cycle keeps repeating in a more vigorous you know um, method so i think that what we're seeing most likely is just the climate chaos created by the blue gold rush hmm. and that is the water war everybody everywhere and not everybody, every country everywhere, especially in the Northern Hemisphere, not so much in the Southern Hemisphere, oddly enough, but in the Northern Hemisphere, almost every country on the planet is squeezing every drop of rain they can out of the sky. And if you think that that's not going to screw up what God intended, what Mother Nature held, you know, in a perfect balance for so long, then you're an idiot. You're, you're ill-informed. So I think that that's what we're actually seeing um, is clim man-made climate chaos. I say, don't talk to me about climate change unless you know about the climate changers and people 
change the climate intentionally with cloud seeding operations. Then there's geoengineering, which is the, you know, the natural extension of that. Let's let's literally have somebody who has a control on the thermometer of, of the planet. Right. Well, you um, know, you, so you just you just sat you well, I mean, as comfortably as you could on one side of a fence and then the other. You started off saying, well, the first thing I, I, I had to realize here is that when I wanted to go digging around to see if the trends or anything was, uh, you know, out of the ordinary or whatever, it was actually, you said first, it was holding consistent with past patterns. Mm-hmm. That's and, right. But, but I still. Mean, if you look at pre-weather control, there were still droughts. There were still fires. There wasn't massive weather control in the 1930s, but but I, yeah, we had the Dust Bowl, and and I want to I want to talk specifically about that next. But I just wanted to say, <laughs> or I just wanted to clarify. So whereas you don't see any patterns historically that are really uh, something that is out of the ordinary, especially since for most people who don't look into this, they just say, well, it's summer, it's hot, and I'm going to deal with it. You know, the, the fall will come here and. The winter will follow, and we'll be talking about how cold it is, and it's just the way yeah. it is. But, um, but on the other hand, you also can't rule out what you know is going on around the planet in increasing fashion as not being a contributor to just how, how intense the swings are. What are normal right. swings, but they're more intense now. Well, that, that I think that that's what most people, when they talk about the Illuminati or, you know, the Bilderbergers or anything like this, the thing about, you know, the technocrats is that they do understand these cycles. They understand solar maximums, solar minimums. They can be taken advantage of. The thing about weather control is that it's the same as if you have a stream and let's say, let's imagine together a stream that's only two feet wide and six inches deep. And I go and I grab a basketball-sized boulder, and I put it right in the middle of that stream. Everybody should know exactly what's going to happen. The stream will continue, but it will slowly curve around the basketball, and then there will be eddies behind it, big ripples, but it will flow in a different direction. We, had, we cannot control the weather. Nobody can control the weather. It is too chaotic. We don't have, a, we have a, a baby's understanding of our atmosphere. So every single weather control attempt is an experiment. The, the results of which nobody knows. And this has been going on for well over 70 years now. So we're in a situation where if everybody's investing millions and billions of dollars into trying to control the weather and they don't know what they're doing at any given moment, climate chaos, chaotic weather could be happening. Um, that's why, you know, I call for, you know, uh, transparency and verification because at the end of the day, without knowing who's doing what, when, where, why, and how, then we can't actually answer that question. 
you know, like in a court of law, like um, these dudes in Colorado uh, mountains, um, just west of Boulder, Colorado, had these cloud seeding generators on at nine o'clock when a storm came through and then we followed that storm on radar and nine to 12 counties away it you know made six inch hail a tornado came out of that storm and leveled an entire city now if you knew for a fact that cloud seeding was going on when it was going on and that that had happened to a storm that you could track on radar and it's your county you could take their ass to court and at least civilly sue them if not criminally charge them huh. absolutely well you know this this is okay and this leads me perfectly into something else which was actually based on one of the questions that came in from one of the audience members it was a two-part question but i'm just going to start with the second half because uh the first one we can talk for, I don't know, I don't know how, uh, maybe we can do that later on. But they asked, um, are weather-controlled capabilities or weather-control uh, capabil- capabilities, even though weather and control, as you say, is an oxymoron, are weather-controlled capabilities very exact to an area or timing of events for that area? Now, I would like to, I would like to add on to this because I know that we've spoken about this in the past. Um, I know that, and you, you already brought up the Chinese. I know that the, the Chinese, I know that the Russians have very publicly tuned the weather in local areas to their liking to create favorable conditions during popular cultural celebrations and or sporting events. I know that that has been done. And as mm-hmm. you and I have speculated about the ability to hamper even destructive power of hurricanes, why isn't it used to save, you know, at least some lives and billions of dollars of damage on the Gulf Coast? If we know the technology has been out there, uh, and we know that it's been out, as you said, since the 40s, and it's been weaponized since the 1960s, I mean, is there any reason why we should ever have to endure a drought again? Especially since the you know with food supplies becoming so strained, why is it that there is so much drought in the West if we can see the cloud? Well, I'll handle the first part part of the question first. So, so can weather control be localized? Depends on the type of weather control you're talking about. Now, if you're talking about controlling lightning bolts, extremely localized because you could take a laser beam and they fire a laser some of these are called femtosecond uh, laser bursts Uh, but basically you create an ionized channel in the sky and electricity follows the path of least resistance so they can fire a laser beam into the sky create an ionized channel which a lightning will then hit and make a straight line no jagged straight laser straight lightning bolts um now this can be used for multiple purposes they they say that um you know they do it around like say high value uh, military targets um they do it at radiation waste dumps so that lightning doesn't strike in catch the facilities on fire um but seriously, lasers for lightning control. Very localized, very accurate, pinpoint accurate. Take that same laser and you dress it with a second laser and you can actually create rain with that laser. Now, 
if you do that type of weather modification, you're still screwing with the cloud. The cloud doesn't just hang out over your house. Whether you dump chemicals into it, whether you shoot it with laser beams, whether you get up there and literally just, you know, give it a good, you know, a giggity giggity. Yeah. Um, that cloud is going to go on and it's going to continue to gather more power because it's going to, you know, it's going to suck up more moisture and then eventually and this is my take on what's going on in America, and I've seen this year after year, ground-based cloud seeding generators operate on the West Coast from October through March of every year. That's when they turn them on, is in the winter. And what do we see? We see all of these torrential floods, blizzard conditions, especially up where you live in New York. Yeah, we get it. Where they have these pictures of literally like buildings that are covered in ice, blown sideways, or there's icicles just, you know, off of everything. So what you what you sprinkle on the West Coast is going to float to the East Coast, and it's going to get stronger. That's why screwing with Mother Nature, screwing with clouds is never localized. Despite anything, and they keep trying to go to it in their literature, you know, A, uh, well, cloud seeding is very localized. When we look downwind, we only find silver iodide particles only, you know, only a couple miles away. It doesn't go long term. Um, but then you have other, you know, like science that flies in the face of that saying things like, Hey, black carbon from airplanes has been found at 18, you know, thousand kilometers, literally up in the stratosphere. Um, and it all, you know, it came from planes that were not in the stratosphere. So what goes up doesn't necessarily come down. Mm. Um, despite the, the euphemism. So th there's, there's a lot about the atmosphere that, the top, the smartest guys, the guys that have been doing it the longest, if they're honest, and there are a bunch of them who are, they will tell you, look, we really don't know shit about the weather. I mean, we, we, we try. We're trying to understand it. It's very complex. There's electricity, there's particles, and there's water vapor, and then there's gases all involved and then the sun screwing with the whole mix oh by the way we're paying billions of dollars to screw with it also every day um so much so i had a zero percent chance of rain today according to five different weather sources and it rained cats and dogs right as i was going to walk out the door um they have no idea what the weather is going to do the second question is pretty simple um you know why can't we use these technologies to deal with hurricanes, deal with drought. Because th there was a study in uh, California, because California has really been, I mean, not the brightest state. We'll just leave it at that. California stands got some really interesting uh, uh, ideals on what to protect and what not to protect. The last reservoir built in California was in 1982. I heard a guy on the radio today actually talking about this, a farmer. Um, and there has not been a shovel-ready reservoir building since then. Um, and up in San Joaquin, they literally said, you know, you guys can't, uh, you know, can't draw any water from these, these rivers because we want to protect this fish that isn't even freaking endangered. And the farmer said, and you, you can't make this shit up.
that they were talking about taxing people from being able to drill their own wells at dollars per gallon of water that they take out of their wells. And on top of that, the, the legislative process for even getting the permit to build a well, a water well in California, plus the cost of drilling the well, $250,000. I'm in South Carolina, and I'm telling you, for about $1,500, somebody will drill you a well. And there are no laws about it. I can go out and dig a five-foot hole and have two feet of water in the bottom of that. So the difference between the West Coast climate and how the ground absorbs water and keeps it versus how much rain we get here in South Carolina, which is the Garden of freaking Eden, um, we don't have a water problem. We never will have a water problem they will always have a water problem and there are more people constantly sucking at it. So to the question about weather control, they had a study called Cal water 2015. And I have the presentation on my YouTube channel, climate viewer on YouTube. You can go find it. Cal water 2015 using atmospheric rivers. Um, and one lady there got it. And she was the only one who out of the entire presentation that really said it like it was we can cloud seed our ass off we can blow we can fart as much dust as we like into the sky and if there's not enough water vapor there then we could actually be shutting the rain off oh and it's actually dependent on how much water vapor is available so around the equator is this band of water. It's this river in the sky. And from it flows these big arms that like tropospheric rivers. And they basically, they lash out over America and they come from the equator. And you can only see this on like the mimics, um, satellites, the microwave, um, you know, they look at water, basically water vapor charts. And you can see these bands they come out and they whip over America. And her and what she was basically saying is we should better track when atmospheric rivers are occurring because that's the prime opportunity to cloud seed because there is an uh, like an unlimited amount of water available in the sky. That's when we want to actually make it dump. The problem with that is it's feast or famine, right? Mm-hmm. Because you go from complete drought-like conditions to, hey, there's an atmospheric river. Everybody get ready. It's coming. Five minutes, four minutes, three minutes. Let's go. Fire the cannons. You know, turn the cloud seeding generators. Get the planes up there. Burn some flares. And you get mudslides. You get the whole damn state ruined. Um, and then, you know, I saw Chad talking about Lake Mead. You, then you have all these man-made issues where literally dumbasses are draining reservoirs on purpose um and and then you have the fracking issue that uses billions of gallons of water um and you know wells all over california all over the west coast yeah basically if you look at the u.s geographical um drought monitor usgs um drought monitor where you see the drought is where you see the drilling is where you see the weather control and you think that by now they'd figure out you know what 
we don't understand shit about this. Mad Max, uh, Carl jo- Johansson says, yes, Mad Max. Um, the 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 US the the Bureau of Reclamation, the US Department of Interior in two thousand three came out with a website called Water Twenty Twenty Five. And it was this was almost twenty years ago now. They predicted that there could be conflict, armed conflict in the West Western United States over water shortages. And they highlighted areas of conflict from white to yellow to orange to red. And, of course, you see all these little stripes where all of the water shortages have occurred. Um, so their predictions were pretty accurate. And you, you have, you know, certain other individuals who talk about geoengineering who shall not be named here. Um, you know, have said things like, you know, this is intentional depopulation. And one has to wonder about that. Yeah, I just did a video on it yesterday. And if you want to hear me rant about that person and what they said about depopulation, go check it out on my channel. But regardless, um, I think that at the end of the day, Corporations and especially the universities and the governments that are involved in weather control, you know, they 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 see themselves as saviors. They see themselves as providers, while at the same time, they're bankers and they're the technocrats who go, we want to control every resource on the planet from mineral to water to human resources. They want to control your freaking mind. This is what the whole transhumanist agenda is about. This is what Agenda 2030, Agenda 21, COP 21, the Paris Accord, all of it has in common is that there are people behind the scenes that at on a global scale want to see climate chaos. And especially now that we're coming up on the midterm elections, especially as bad as Brandon and company have screwed things up. You see a lot of those technocrats now becoming talking heads on, you know, the lamestream um, legacy media, um, you know, basically, uh, I always forget the word. Um, they're, 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 they're broadcasting it. You know what I mean? They're like, they're, they're, Oh, yeah. Um, Hey, that's how we started off, by showing just how coordinated this is. It's not just that par-for-the-course kind of reporting that is always out there with these Internet bloggers that are aligned with smaller outlets like Daily Beast, the real real ideologues, people who are true believers. It is everything. It's absolutely everything. It's all world governments, the um, WHO, WEF, they're all all putting it out there. I mean, they're proposing these ridiculous Brazil-sized, you know, solar sails that they want to put out there. And and it's just... um, I see the the patterns, and that's why I want to talk to someone like you. Well, let me give you something something else to chew on real quick as we come up on the end here. We got about eight more minutes, so I want to hear you talk about this because I think it goes uh, real real quick. Projection. Yeah. Somebody said telegraphing. That's what I was gonna say. They they're kind of telegraphing it to you, but really it's projection. They're gonna tell you what's gonna happen because they they want to go ahead and 
and shape it's it's called narrative networks it's the idea that you go ahead and construct in somebody's mind a narrative and then that's the way our brains you know really hold reality that this narrative if if you take it to be true and it resonates with you then you will already expect the outcome that they are going to determine it's a form of predictive so, programming yeah exactly well i, I mean, mean go ahead i'm well, sorry well let me well that is something that works a little bit more on a subconscious level for those who are going to be screwed the screwers of right. course they know the plan they create this hegelian dialectic of they know what the end result is now they just have to create the solution to a problem that's coming that the the, the, the end result is the solution you know, they yeah. have to create the problem and, of course, the messaging and get the reaction there. But as far as those along the way that have to be complicit and conscious in some way, let me ask you this. And this is another question that's been generated from the audience. I think it's it goes hand in hand with everything else and a good way to end. Um, someone said, I'd love some evidence-based discussion of contrails versus chemtrails, more specifically how they can get the airline industry to comply so extensively if indeed chemtrails are a thing or atmospheric aerosol injections are a real thing these days. So I guess to, to, to not have to talk about that, because I know that is an hours-long conversation, um, I don't know if you, you can the, nutshell the it. The short answer. The, well, no, more so specifically how you can get airline, commercial airline compliance across the board. Because you need everybody, all hands on deck. Okay, this is real simple. Okay. Um, There's actually only two computers required to do this. One is at the FAA. It is called the Next Gen Transportation System. It basically, the pilots, they do the taking off, and then they flick a button, and literally the computer flies the plane most of the way. This is generally the case. Um, In America, the FAA has NextGen, N-E-X-G-E-N, transportation system. In that supercomputer, with its artificial intelligence and all its flight routing, there are highways in the sky. That's why you get the grid patterns that everybody sees. That Yes, hide it in their fuel. I'm getting there. Chill out, chat. Um, so you've got the, the supercomputer tells the plane where to fly on a highway in the sky. That's why plane flies by, moves over to the side, plane flies by, moves over to the side, plane flies by. You have a grid pattern because it's all computer controlled. In that next-gen transportation system is another subsystem called the AEDT. You can Google this. Aviation Environmental Design Toolkit. And I think that just the acronym should tell you what it's for. It is for, it tells the plane how much fuel to burn, at what altitude. It it determines how much noise they make on takeoff versus at altitude, uh, all of these things. So they can design the environment with the AEDT, the Aviation Environmental Design Toolkit. Now, in Europe, it's called Eurocontrol. Same thing. Um, When I went to the EPA in in 2015 at a hearing, I was on C-SPAN. I said to them, look, you know, Obama was trying to get regulations on the aircraft industry for greenhouse gases. Nobody gives a shit about greenhouse gases. We're talking about 
metal particulates coming out of jet aircraft and the clouds they're creating. So the question is, how do you get them all to comply? Well, guess what? Everything you need is already in the jet fuel. Aluminum, titanium, vanadium, barium, molybdenum. I've got a list, you know, the, the list goes on and on. If you want to learn all about this, um, go to my YouTube channel. I have a, literally a 10 part series that I did and each video is over an hour on this topic, going from the history of chemtrails back in 1948 through two states suing over chemtrails in 1970 to how we got here today. But I, the one I'm going to leave you with is how do you get them all to comply? Well, what about this little thing called NATO? The NATO has this thing called the NATO Pipeline Committee. And from 1988 through 1996, they did what was called the single fuel concept, one fuel for the battlefield, in which they switched from JP4, which was gasoline, to JP8, which is kerosene, diesel fuel. Um, during this time, now a lot of people say, hey, I remember blue skies. I remember fluffy clouds. Well, guess what? The first time the word chemtrails was ever used was in 1997. The first article that used that word chemtrail was about JP-8 jet fuel. In 1997, that's when the conversion from gasoline to kerosene in NATO occurred. And that is when, for example, calcium in JP4 is at about 3,000 parts per billion. In JP8, 33,000 parts per billion. And the list goes on. Aluminum, titanium, barium. Every single one of the metals went up exponentially when they went from gasoline to kerosene, and you have to understand how oil is refined and how fuel is made, but let's just say kerosene is much dirtier than gasoline. And then you have the highest end gasolines that's used in, you know, the fighter jets and all of that. They still add, they put additives in there like Spec-Aid 8Q462, which is called a HITS additive. There's a lot of chemical cocktails that are added to the fuel, but the fuel already has all the metals necessary, and that is controlled by the NATO Pipeline Committee, okay. which well, sets the fuel standards. Okay, so they set the fuel standards. That's where we know how that has become more universal. But as far as the release, uh, anybody is that really something that is dictated automatically by this the subsystems that are that are re, uh, required to be in all commercial jetliners now because anybody who's been outside not, not in military planes okay so so it, but, but in, when I'm, in the commercial world what you're seeing is jet fuel has metals in it and there are computers that control where they are. Um, I spec. <laughs> no, but Jim, Jim, I spoke. Jim, I'll summarize with it. More, more, more specifically, what my question was about is anybody that has been in a park or something and has looked up at the sky and they're tracking a commercial jet going across the, the sky. There's a there's a part where it's just the jet flying, and then all of a sudden there is the release of 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 this trail. 
there's release of this this smoke, this it, it whatever the hell it is. It it there's a point when it starts and when it stops. It's not like it takes off and this white trail is behind it all the way to the next airport. Yeah. What triggers that release? So that's another one of those cases where we're talking about there's only a finite amount of water in the sky. That's called an ice supersaturated region. So you're actually flying out of one water vapor bubble, which is invisible to the naked eye, into another. Or you have updrafts. Now, most people have heard of birds that literally like vultures. They, they can ride updrafts of air for hours without ever flapping their wings. So between updrafts, downdrafts, water vapor bubbles in the sky, which are called ISSRs, ice supersaturated regions, um, between a shift in the amount of thrust that is given by the plane, there are so many factors in what contribute to cloud formation behind a plane, all of which can be done just from jet fuel. No extra pumps, no extra pipes necessary. Wow. Um, so that's, this, I mean, that's so, the simple answer for it. So, so the appearance of those trails, there's no switch, there's no pump, nobody has to actually trigger it. It's just a reaction to the, the, the atmosphere that they're flying through. Right. And, and in some cases, you have what are called aerodynamic contrails. That's literally just the pressure of the wing, and there's so much water vapor that you'll see literally like rainbow, you know, clouds coming off of the wings off the front of the wings now other websites that are into chemtrails they'll say this is 100 percent proof of you know doing blah 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 but they don't they don't understand the science like you know I, um i'll put it to you this way if you want to get conspiratorial i spoke to the aviation climate change research initiatives head Dr. Rangasai Halthori. He is the FAA NASA head of the Aviation Climate Change Research Initiative. And when I asked him about this in an interview, he said, we want more clouds by day, none by night. So, I, and I, I got him to, to re-clarify. I said, now look, now, I understand that you guys want to grow gasoline. Another problem, because right now we're already in a food shortage. Guess what? They're incentivizing them to grow gasoline for alternative aviation fuel so that they make less clouds or can control when the clouds occur. There are patents for using two different types of fuels in one plane and controlling the mixture thereof. Um, when you use ultra-low sulfur versus doped with sulfur fuels um, and all of this to cool the planet. So the, the, the right from the horse's mouth at the FAA, we want more clouds by day, none by night, because at nighttime, those clouds trap heat in. Heat doesn't escape back to space. But during the day, they create shade, and that cools the planet. I've seen, so, I've seen the trails at night. I've seen them at night. I've seen, I see them at night, too. But at the same time, you have geoengineers talking about cirrus cloud seeding or cirrus cloud thinning to melt those clouds away. 
you have the next gen transportation system and uh Ulrich Schumann the world's top scientist on this phenomena he's got the most literature the most citations of anybody he went to the ICAO colloquium on uh, aviation and climate change in 2010 and he said less um less uh less uh, more cooling contrails predictable for operational planning. And he went on to write a program called COSIP, the Contrail Serious Prediction Tool, which is also built into Euro Control and next-gen transportation system. This is a predictive artificial intelligence, you know, with sensors to say, if a plane flies in these atmospheric conditions, with the what well, we know about how much water vapor there is if they fly at this altitude we can avoid making pl- clouds or we can intentionally make clouds so it's a very complex issue there are so many factors but at the end of the day the stated goals are less warming more cooling contrails predicted predictable for operational planning Ulrich Schumann 2010 Dr. Rangasai Halthori you know, more um, cooling clouds during the day and less cooling clouds at night. So they're they're straight out saying that, look, we're we're not going to get rid of the clouds entirely. Planes are going to make clouds, but we'd like to keep the clouds around that are going to cool the planet. And we'd like to get rid of the ones at night, which trap heat and, and heat up the planet. Now, Again, with the fence thing, in 1958, Dr. Florence Van Stratton, with some carbon black dust in a Navy plane, went out and created clouds with just by sprinkling carbon black dust out of the back of her plane. And then by suspending it in a liquid, made straight lines of clouds and was able to destroy those clouds. 1958. Flash forward to 1996, I have a Freedom of Information Act request um, from the United States Air Force Research Lab and a second one from the United States Navy um, China Lake Weapons um, Directorate that both state the same thing. The United States military wants to use carbon black dust to create clouds to protect vital area like say area 51 to create clouds to block out spy satellites in space and to increase the effectiveness effectiveness of nighttime operations so imagine a desert storm um, in iraq they literally go over they use carbon black dust to create a cloud layer over the battlefield they block out the moon We've got the night vision goggles. Those poor bastards don't. The military clearly states that they can either not make clouds or make clouds on at any given point. It's a very complicated topic, brother. Oh, I know. It's in, in the micromanagement, the, the, the headspace you have to be in just to try to micromanage this, either from a military standpoint or from a ecological standpoint. And then, of course, you have the the idea ideological standpoint of how can we how can we bring down so much uncertainty and so much craziness for people to 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 cry out in uh for for relief to cry out for somebody to help who do we have to give our tax money to to make this all stop anyway 
we've done so much tonight. There's so much more to do, and uh, I'm already looking forward to the next time. I'm going to start. I'm going to start uh, getting more people uh, submitting questions so we can do these little these little audience generated. Uh, topics as well, although I have some off-topic stuff I want to do with you soon too, Jim, but let everybody know where you're from, what you're doing, and how to find your work, and I would love, because I know everything you talk about right now, you not only have hours of talks um, to back it up, and inside of that, there's names, there's dates, there's well-cited uh, well sources, your uh, weather modification history, and everything else you put together and compiled on the internet is some of the best sourced stuff out there, which is why I have been reading your stuff for a long time. Uh, it's, uh, it doesn't, it's not enough to say, all oh, the, the government is controlling the weather, or the military has weather modification tools. Mm -hmm. It's not enough yeah. to say that. It, there's so much more behind it, and... Uh, and the micromanagement is just, it's, it's going to be a, a real big problem for us all one day if we don't put more sunlight on it. So let everybody know where you're from, what you're doing, and how to find you, and, uh, and that's it for tonight. Well, the easiest way to find uh, all of my stuff in one spot is go to connect.climateviewer.com. That has links to all three of my websites, climateviewer.com, climateviewer.org, weathermodificationhistory.com. It has links to my YouTube, BitChute, Odyssey, Rumble, my merch shop. You can support me on Patreon or give a PayPal donation. My email address is jim at climateviewer.com. If you want to get in touch with me, send me some comments uh tell me i'm full of shit or uh you know ask me out on a date i'll i'll get with my wife on that um i had a woman tell me she literally saw her arm off for one hour just what? with me they, she my, saw her arm off my wife still to this day this happened about six years ago my wife still tells everybody in the family about this all the time Saw but an arm off for one saw hour. An arm. Off. I think it was. It had to be a troll. Had to be a of troll. Of course, because uh, like I mean, how unenjoyable will that hour be without your arm? A freshly sawed off arm. I or, mean, I just you know kind of pat the stump and be like, it's okay. All right, uh, it's been nice talking with you. You know what um, you should do? You should just say, okay, how about we do the hour first, and then I'll take <laughs> the arm. I don't want to be. That's like a that's like a Rob Zombie movie. Half. <laughs> hey man, I love I love some Rob Zombie, and my daughter's really into Rob Zombie now. I got her, in, I I showed her some album covers, and then she was like, "Wait a minute, I do like this." <laughs> so then I walk in, and um, she's listening to uh, um, the was it Beautiful Dead Girl um, and Dragula and all that stuff, and I'm just like, "All right, we well, we need to get you back to like Thunder Kiss '69 anyway." Um, but yeah, she loves some Rob Zombie. We all do. Uh, I, uh, interesting side note: I literally was under my house yesterday. Um, I had to go under the house two days ago to fix a pipe. I went under the house again yesterday to fix an air conditioner vent that I noticed while I was under there. And I'm leaning in this spiders in the shelves layer, and I've got my phone there and my, literally on my nutsack, you know, like pointed up at the vent for light. And I was like. Wait, that thing has Pandora on it. And I turned on my tool Pandora channel, and the first thing that came out was, um, you know, some white zombie. And I was just like, you know, this is perfect mood music. Yeah. <laughs> and right as I thought that, a spider crawled into my freaking ear. You oh, cannot make that up. No. Oh. Uh, there's only so much, there's only so many creature comforts you can have underneath a house. <laughs> as long as you had the Pandora, I guess you're going to have to put up with the spiders.
Anyway, you know, it made it all better. Like it was just like at that point, I was just like, eh, and I flicked it, and I was like, eh, whatever. And I, I, I've been terrified of spiders my whole life. But at some point, you know, my father owns a trailer park. I've been having to crawl under these damn things forever. It's much worse, you know, to see fire ants under there. The, I've seen two snakes in my entire life. But damn, you know, I hate spiders. And I've finally gotten to the point where you, you go, you know what? I just got to suck it up and do this one. Um, and it was kind of like, you know, that's part of the reason I have the migraine today is because you know, you're doing this underneath the house for hour. I was under there for like two and a half hours fixing mm -hmm. vents. And I got a migraine because my neck compression or whatever. Um, and then I was like, I got to do this show. I got to do this show no matter what, because you got to put that smile on. You still got to be able to love and laugh because what we're doing is important. And, you know, I don't ever want to let you down, brother, man. And I, I'm going to go crash and you guys will, you won't want to see my face after I get off the show, but um, you can fake it till you make it. If you believe you can. That's what I'm doing right here. I've been doing this for 16 years now, faking it till I make it. And I still got a long way to go, but <laughs> it's been so great meeting people and hanging out with people like you along the way, my friend. And that's why you're right. I show up, I put a smiley face on and then as soon as, as the, the uh, sometimes as soon as the cameras go off, I just slump over in my chair. And this is uh, that. <laughs> just, all right. We're done. I made it through another one. Show up, people. That's the thing. You got to show up. I mean, that's half the battle. You know, knowing's half the battle. No, showing up is the start of the battle. Um, knowing helps. But man, I appreciate you, uh, Frank. Thanks, thank you for uh, letting me come on here and uh, go rest, you know, shoot the shit with you. Go sleep, everybody. Go check out Jim Lee Climate Viewer on YouTube, climateviewer.com, weathermodificationhistory.com. He's the man and uh, a great friend. Thanks for coming by again, Jim. All right, man. Um, I'm gonna go get my pants and go get something to eat. Good. You guys be safe out there. <laughs> eat, eat well. Eat well. Put put some sea salt in your uh, in your uh, your next liter of water. Good idea. Yeah, get thank a, you, Frank. Get a get a teaspoon of sea salt in that next liter of water, and uh, and just get yourself nice and mineralized. I just want to turn these lights off because they're literally burning the retinas out. Good. Get, get that. <laughs> you uh, know how that is. Get get comfortable then. All right, man. Later. All right, man. Appreciate Bye. it, dude. So there you go. There you go. Okay, listen. It is eight forty-five. What is the point of even doing an intermission? The entire show filled up to capacity wonderful our cup is overflowing i'm going to save this should have spoke to jim a little bit about this too just finished the entire uh you know hour and a half florida man drives to space force base to warn the government about u.s aliens fighting with chinese dragons maybe i can ask um maybe i can ask matt about this on friday if he comes by and if not matt then maybe human vibration that would be good. Um, the Saudi Arabia new mirrored city. We're going to have to do that tomorrow. And I would love to do that tomorrow. I want to read through this article on The Verge and play the video that, that comes with it. They are making like a 75-mile, or they're proposing, a 75-mile-long city that is inside of these two giant mirrored glass walls. The walls that are taller than the Empire State Building and inside is like 
its own little environment, a contained habitat. I see oceans and forests and everything, but it's in the middle of the desert. It's very weird. At the same time, I look at it and I have two conflicting thoughts. Number one is, well, that's kind of cool. If you are literally in the middle of the desert, this could be an interesting way of making the desert a lot more habitable. Then again, there are desert-dwelling folks out there who have been doing fine for thousands of years, ancient cultures. And also, on the other hand, it's like you're living inside of a fucking terrarium. So, maybe we'll pick through that a little bit tomorrow, along with your stories. Along with your stories for non-human rescue stories. Animal sto- animals that have rescued you in life-threatening situations. Did a dog or a cat pull you away from a burning house or call your attention to a burning house? Call your attention to a, 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 uh, an armed robber coming through the door, gave you time to defend yourself. What was it? Man's best friend, or even one sent by God, you know, did a finch come down and peck you on the neck, make you stop for a second, and then you look down and you realize you were about to walk into a nine-foot sinkhole and break every bone in your body. Well, maybe, maybe it has to be a little bit deeper to break every bone, but do some real damage. That's the kind of stuff I want to hear. So get over to the subreddit and get your thoughts and your stories in on that thread. You can email them to me if you don't know how to do that. And, um, and yes. All right. Okay, let's go into the super chats because I want to hear from people and see what they are thinking. First things first, I'll move that over here, move this over there. Boom, boom, good. All right. All right, first one up on, quite frankly, superchat.com. Stostube. Thank you so much, Stostube. Two minutes ago, sent a nice blessing. Isa May says, love you, Frank. It's been a while. It has been. I hope that you're all well and your family is well. Thank you. Great, great to see you. Mark Swan says, I need to call in a favor for Nikki. She really wants you to whistle your favorite tune. Whistle my favorite tune. I don't, I don't know. Is it my favorite song of all time or my favorite tune to whistle? I don't know what that is, but I'll I'll figure it out. Maybe I'll start whistling tomorrow. And I, I, I understand what was going on with rumble. Everybody. I saw all the feedback. I don't know what's going on. I even tried, um, scheduling an impromptu. We have 221 people watching right now on rumble. That's nowhere near. That's like a thousand people less on average that are usually there and something this is the second time in the last week and a half that Rumble has messed up. And I I didn't I don't think I put it on the wrong channel. But I managed to throw this one together, so I hope I salvaged something with you guys and gals. Um also on the foxhole I'll, I'll figure it on the foxhole, we have some stuff we're gonna get to in just a moment. Um Fat Boy Vince, that was two hours ago, says, Thank you for having the Weather Master on our program, Frank. No problem. I love having Jim on. I also love peeking in while he, because, you know, Jim, I like setting him up with a, a question and then letting him run. He knows what he's talking about. I love watching people in the chat room who, who um, I don't know, 
have opinions and and uh, they I love when people leave in a huff. <laughs> I, this is ridiculous. This is shit. I'm leaving. And I, and I, and I you know what the the ironic thing is um sometimes I see it and I guess it it makes this moot but you know I, I when people say in such a personal way, "Sorry Frank, I have to go." as if they're talking to me. Now, I, sometimes I see those things in in uh, rerun and I actually catch it so they did actually tell me sorry Frank I have to go and I, I saw it but I just think it's so pompous I, I really think it's so ridiculous I have to I have, like they're, they're completely inconvenienced very inconvenienced but I love when the uh, the weather masters on for sure yes carpe donctum he was watching what's going on donctum What's up, bro? I recently visited the ice wall, and I can confirm that Earth is, in fact, donut-shaped. That is, that is going to be a very, very big sigh of relief for a small faction of people in the chat room. Very, very big sigh of relief. Carpe's been doing great. Th- he always pops up, and he's doing great things. Hanging out with cool people. Wish I could hang out with Carpe. Um, let's see what else we have here. Redneck. Redneck Aviator. This is from last night. I didn't see this. Another fantastic show, my friend. Chris Ann is restoring my hope in America. One show at a time. Can't wait to hear the Zells. On another note, I made the same connection as you did. With the children worldwide contracting, with the children worldwide contracting monkeypox, it's a shame. I know. I know. Well, listen. There are also just people in third world. They live close together. They, there's also there's already bad social hygiene going on there. There they do share close quarters with people that um, you you could be able to transmit something like that. But we know that this is, by and large, at least in a Western sense, by and large, we're talking upper 90% is sexually transmitted. B-Tech Vendetta says, this was a great discussion. Thank you, Frank and Jim Lee. B-Tech, great to have you out there. That was on Foxhole. For some reason, all of the other gold pills have not come in. But I know that they're out there. People, and thank you, everybody, for the gold pills. I'm releasing the scratching right now. I'm so sorry. I don't know why they haven't been populated but um but that's all we have all right 852 852 captain cast iron says george carlin said it best the planet isn't going anywhere we are humans arrogant meddling yeah it's arrogant but it's also completely pointless you know to to think about putting that on your shoulders to try to figure out how you can Water something over here. Take it away over there. Uh, you want clouds in the daytime, not at night. Because in the daytime, you want to reflect the sun. At night time, you want the earth to cool naturally under the moonlight. Man, what a pointless endeavor. Of course, if you are going to... If you're going to take that on as a job... And take it seriously that you're actually trying to level out the world. You're trying to fix a system that is so complex there's no way to even really truly understand it. 
That's ridiculous. But we know that there's something else going on here and that what people really want is power and control. And there's nothing, nothing better, no better way to gain power over people than by putting the fear of God in them. And it would invoke and to steer at least the destructive power of nature in ways that can make them think that this is the end unless we don't unless we change our ways. So what what do we need to do to change our ways? Give up everything that we knew to be a decent human life from where we live, from the families that we build, from the property that we own, from the cars that we drive, the food, the nourishment that we take in. They want us to give up red meat. They want to they want us to give up things that are humane and start kicking over rocks and eating larvae and then always tied to that stuff is tracking you wherever you go tracking you wherever you go because wherever you go has an impact on the environment you have a carbon footprint that needs to be tracked so that's the real thing here it's a fool's errand for anybody to go out there and actually try to make the world different or stabilize it in some way if they believe it's unstable. That's a fool's errand. This is something else. This is once again an act of war. One way or another. Okay, well, that's it for me, ladies and gentlemen. It's been a really, really wonderful treat hanging out with you. Maybe we'll make fun of the... uh, Actually, we have three minutes right now. Let's make fun of the president for a second. Here he is, just to expand on what we did in the beginning, just so that it's all in the same episode. This is where about a minute after things got really weird. I said around eight minutes and 30 seconds, it got really weird at this 11-minute address. Here's at 9.38. The D.C. Metropolitan Police, other law enforcement agencies were attacked and assaulted before our very eyes, speared, sprayed, stomped on, brutalized. Speared, sprayed, stomped on, and brutalized. Look at the eyes. Look at this fucking freak. What a freakish dude. Freakish. This is when the the drugs kicked in. 100%. You know, I saw somebody... um, There was a lot of things that were weird. A couple of different public appearances that were put out around the time of this. There's a change of clothing. I Listen, with, when it comes to television productions, and that's all this man's life has been, a television production, um, they, uh, there's, nothing, there's nothing out of the ordinary about somebody changing clothes or even combing your hair in a different direction. But this is something completely different. He is uh, really, really out of it. Really out of it. I saw this one guy come up today. I, I pulled it up aside over here. His name was Tanner. He said he claimed he worked in television, and he came into White Knight for President Poopy Pants over here. And he said, you guys don't seem to understand the difference that microphones, lights, camera, makeup, coffee, and blood sugar levels can make. Yeah, this is a blood sugar problem. The lives were lost. And for th- the lives that were lost were all at the hands of Capitol Police, and then three or four very mysterious suicides afterwards. So, again. Three hours, the defeated former president of the United States watched it all happen. He's slurring, 
there's something very, very wrong here. And he's, but he's being told you have to go out there, you have to make this to be a, a massacre. And then you have to come down on Trump again because your shovel-headed pipsqueak of a man, Merrick Gar- Garland, is going to go out there and try to actually indict Donald Trump and put him behind bars to disqualify him from running again because we can't have him win three times in a row. As he sat in the comfort of the private dining room next to the Oval Office. Oh, really? I thought he was strangling his Secret Service driver. So he was in the, the comfort of the dining room in the next to the Oval Office. I thought he was strangling people to try to get over there to be with his people. While he was doing that, brave law enforcement officer subject to the medieval hell for three hours. Yes, while he was doing that, brave law enforcement who were waving people in, taking selfies, or just standing by idly, they were subjected to medieval hell for three hours. Medieval hell. That's what this has come down to. Now we are past... We are past 9-11. We went far past Pearl Harbor, the War of 1812, the Civil War, of course. We've gone into, this is medieval hell. Medieval hell. Like medieval times, though, where you get a goblet of soda and a, uh, a turkey leg. Dripping in blood, surrounded by carnage. Dripping in blood surrounding by carnage. Yeah, the carnage that they, they caused. They killed people. The feds killed people that day. You're right. Nobody else has blood on their hands. Face to face with crazed mob that believed the lies of the defeated president. This guy, I, I bet you any money, he was just about ready to fall flat on his face. I wonder, I wonder as soon as they cut, if he didn't, if they had, didn't come in with a, uh, a stretcher or something, and he just... He just collapsed. This must be injectables. Seriously. I do not believe. I don't think that they need, uh, they, they can even wait for time release capsules at this point. This must be injectables or inhalers or something that gives him just enough wind to do, to do these things now. To do these appearances. It must be. But um, don't take lightly the way that they're ramping up the rhetoric about January 6th. We know it's a, a farce by and large, but don't take it lightly because it's, it's there for a purpose and they are laying the groundwork for an even, an even worse show. Absolutely. All right. Well, that's it. Tomorrow, we're going to be hanging out again at 7 o'clock. I hope to see you here for the Thursday night broadcast. Rob is away. He won't be here tomorrow, and I think next week he has a, a, uh, a family function. So we're going to be just picking up new topics and taking calls and having a good time, doing our thing. So we'll see you at 7 o'clock. Don't be anywhere but there. How does that sound? All right. Well, goodbye. I'll catch you on the flip side. frankly is filmed before a live studio audience now the super chatter starting with captain cast iron stostube isa may mark swan fat boy vince carpe donctum carpe donctum started the whole damn thing off 
So great to have you guys and gals with me. Thank you one and all. And we will see you. We'll see you tomorrow. Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot. It is... Uh, it is... It's Wednesday night. So get to quitefrankly.tv. We have after-hour programming starting right now. Okay, Chief, take him away. I'm going to go home and sleep with my wife.